I want to read something to you. Now, I've got a friend in Houston that's always emailing us stuff. And I tell you, some of it I don't really care for. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I love my friend, but, you know, I'm talking about those, uh, I don't know what it's called. Uh, uh, but a lot of it's kind of religious, and some of it's just flat old false. You know, do y'all get on those email lists? Are y'all are all on that too? Well, y'all may have already seen this, but I got this one. And you know, I was, I had, we had come in from somewhere and I just, you know, when sometimes you just need to hear something from God, you just need something. You know, all of us get to the point sometime, well, I God, I need to hear you today. I need to hear something. And so I, you know, I went to check my email and I, I read this and I thought, and, and I just knew it was God speaking to me. I just knew, I, I just knew, because I usually, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you, and I know you won't tell my friend because I won't tell you who she is. But to tell you the truth, I most times just hit delete, don't even read it. And for some reason, I just thought, well, I'm going to read it today. Well, i tell you why I read it, because, you know, up at the top, you can tell who sent it to them, and I noticed her daughter sent it to her, and I was more curious than anything of what her daughter sent her. Because her daughter lives in Kansas, she lives in Houston. And, uh, of course, we've known her daughter since they were little bitty and in our children's church uh, uh, a long time ago. And so, uh, I, I was out of curiosity, I just thought, well, I'm going to read that. So I read it. And so it, it spoke to my heart, and, and I'm going to spin the message that God's given me off of this. So I'm going to read this to you. It says, a man was sleeping at night in his cabin when suddenly his room filled with light and God appeared. The Lord told the man he had work for him to do and showed him a large rock in front of his cabin. And the Lord explained that the man was to push against the rock with all his might. So this man did day after day. For many years he toiled from sun up to sundown, his shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing with all of his might. Each night the man returned to his cabin sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had been spent in vain. Since the man was showing discouragement, the adversary, Satan, decided to enter the picture by placing thoughts into the weary mind. You have been pushing against that rock for a long time and it hasn't moved, thus giving the man the impression that the task was impossible and, and that he was a failure. These thoughts discouraged and disheartened the man. Why kill myself over this, he thought. I'll just put in my time giving the minimum effort and that will be good enough. And that is what he planned to do until one day he decided to make it a matter of prayer and take his troubled thoughts to the Lord. Lord, he said, I have labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do that which you have asked. Yet after all this time, I have not even budged that rock by half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? The Lord responded compassionately. My friend, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all of your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push, and now you come to me with your strength spent, thinking that you have failed, but is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back sinewy and brown. Your hands are callous from constant pressure. Your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition, you have grown much, and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. Yet you haven't moved the rock, but your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. This you have done. Now I, my friend, will now move the rock. 
At times, when we hear a word from God, we tend to use our own intellect to decipher what He wants, when actually what God wants is just simple obedience and faith in Him. By all means, exercise the faith that moves mountains, but know that it is still God who moves mountains. When everything seems to go wrong, just P-U-S-H. When the job gets you down, just P-U-S-H. When people don't react the way you think they should, just P-U-S-H. When your money looks gone and the bills are due, just P-U-S-H. When people just don't understand you, just P-U-S-H. P-pray, U until S something, H happens. Pass this on, and you don't want to hear the pass this on to all the... (laughs) Okay, so, you know, uh, it's really interesting, isn't it? And, you know, it just brought home to remembrance of me of, uh, you know, it just reminded me that sometimes we get mixed up about our part and his part. And so tonight I want to talk to you about his part and our part. Because he has a part and we have a part and we can't get the two mixed up or we'll get all messed up. Because we are actually cannot do his part. Actually, if you get right down to it, we can't move the mountain. If you get right down to it, we can't do anything about healing our bodies. Amen? That's his part, right? But we have a part that he won't do unless we do our part. Hallelujah. So tonight we'll talk about his part and our part. Now, one of the first things, and we can apply this to healing. We can apply this to financial increase. And we can apply this to our ministry or or our job or whatever. However it applies to you, you apply it, okay? The first thing that is our part is faith. Amen? In other words, we have to believe. God can't do that part. He won't do that part for us, and He won't do His part without us believing. Amen? We have to believe. We have to be in faith. Uh, We have to do whatever it takes to get ourselves to a place of believing. Amen? And you know, that's the fight of faith. You know, the Bible talks about in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 12, that we fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Isn't that what it says? And you know, the fight of faith is not, um, uh, the fight of faith is not fighting the devil or, or, or fighting the disease or fighting the, the lack or, the, or anything. That, that's not the fight of faith. That, the fight of faith is, uh, is, is whatever, it, is the fight that it takes to get in faith and it's the fight it takes to stay in faith. It's a fight to stay in faith. Amen? Because just like that little story said, you know, the devil comes with those thoughts, doesn't he? Amen? Or like Pastor talked about tonight, you know, trials come. So the fight is to get in faith and to stay in faith. It's a fight to get your mind renewed when you first get started in this stuff, isn't it? Amen? Did any, did, did any of you ever think you were, oh man, this is a, this is a fight. The brain, the, the mind did not want to cooperate. Amen? The flesh doesn't want to cooperate, so that's a fight. And you know, he says it's a good fight. I'll tell you why it's a good fight, because just like that story said, you know, when you're fighting this fight, you, and, and you know, at the time, it's, you know, you're fighting this fight and you're getting in faith, but the reason it's a good fight is because it changes your whole life to get a renewed mind. It changes everything. It changes your future. It changes your life. And it makes us strong and it makes us powerful. So it's a good fight. Amen. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And we see, you know, about our part here. He just makes it so clear in Hebrews eleven six 6 about our part. Because we got to do our part. But I tell you, we really get messed up when we start trying to move the mountain. Or when we start uh, looking at it and saying, why is the mountain not moved? 
But you know what our part is? Just to believe. Amen? Our part's not even to figure out the timing of the whole thing. And I don't know about you, but I've really gotten messed up many, many times in my life trying to figure out the timing of when I thought this should happen based on when I believed and based on when I prayed and based on what, you know, based on what I wanted, you know, and I would like, well, you know, it should have happened by now. Any of you have ever felt like it should have happened by now? And then the devil comes in on that and says, well, you know, you're doing something wrong. You go, well, I must be doing something wrong. Sure enough, because it's not happening. Nothing's changing. Doesn't look like anything's happening. So, you know, I must be doing something wrong. Then you get under condemnation. Well, that puts you out of faith. Amen. Because I, and here, and all of this based on what I thought was the timetable, uh, a timetable, the self-imposed timetable, a timetable I put on everything. You know, and, we, and you know, all of us are notorious for this. God speaks something to us. Revelation's out there and he's speaking to all of us. And he shows us great and mighty things that are to come. That's what he says he'll do. Amen. He says, I'll show you great and mighty things. Amen. And he shows us those things. He reveals, uh, he reveals things to come. And, uh, and you know, and we get to figuring out, and I always think it's right now when he shows me something. I don't know why I do that, but I always think it's right now. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm getting so excited. But I tell you, invariably, in all the years I've been serving God, it has never been right now when he shows me something. And how many things has God shown us and we lost it because we put a timetable on it and then got disappointed, which got us out of faith. Because I don't care, even if God showed you he was going to do something from you in your life, that doesn't mean he's going to do it without your faith. If you don't cooperate with him, even the things he showed you won't come to pass if you don't cooperate with him and stay in faith. You have a responsibility when he shows you something to believe for it and to pray it through. And if the devil can discourage you because of the timetable, he'll, he'll uproot it out of your life and you won't have, we'll get to heaven and he'll say, you know, I wanted to do this for you. And you'd say, yeah, I know. And you promised me that Lord. And he'll say, yeah, but you quit believing on me. You quit. You quit because you had this timetable. And pastor said this Sunday, I don't know why we think like that because Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. And he, that's been 2000 years ago. Obviously God's on a different timetable than we are. What he calls quick and what I call quick are not quick. You know? I, I, you know, he, it, it even seems like sometimes he'll speak in code. I mean, he does speak in code sometimes. He says, you know, a year sometimes. He'll say within a year. Or, or a year. He'll say a year. And, you know, sometimes a year in our, you know, we know it's code for a thousand years. <laughs> I mean, it's not always. But, you know, do you see what I'm saying? You know, the, the seven weeks of Daniel are symbolic of, you know, you know all of that. You've heard all that. I can't, I can't, I'm not very good at that end time stuff. So, but you know what I'm saying? Amen. But you know, it's our job just to believe and say, I don't care. Though it tarry, it will surely come. It will surely come. Amen. And a lot of it's just our lack of patience. Our, uh, uh, our, uh, what, what, you know, we have an instant society. They say that now, you know, because McDonald's and corporations like that, they figure all these things out. And they say that now that, that we have gotten so impatient as a society, as a people, that from the time you 
tell the, 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 the drive-in window, you speak into the speaker and tell them what you want, that, that if they don't do it in 30 seconds, that's all we'll give them is 30 seconds before we uh, begin to be impatient. They've got to be pretty fast. And when they, you think, no wonder it tastes like it tastes. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect in 30 seconds if you think about it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You know, don't even bother going to him in prayer if you're not going to believe. He that cometh to God must believe. Must believe. He that cometh to God must believe. He that cometh to God in prayer must believe. It don't, I mean, you can pray till you're blue in the face. You can pray hours. You can pray years. But if you don't believe, you'll never have anything except jaw exercise. That's all you'll ever have. He that cometh to God must believe and must believe two, two things. Must believe that He is. Amen? We got to believe that he is. And we got to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've not only got to believe that he can do it, we and that he we got to believe that he has done it and will do it for us, that he is a rewarder. Amen. So we and there's so there's and and you know a lot of people come to him, come and pray and they believe he is, but they're not sure about the last part. And we got it, it doesn't work. We don't get our prayers answered because we don't believe. We don't have confidence in our prayers. Confidence. We can have a confidence in our prayers. We can, I, we, we can have confidence that when we pray, He hears. He answers. And we don't go by the goosebumps or how we feel. I know sometimes when I pray, I mean, I just can feel the anointing to pray. Hallelujah. But sometimes it feels like uh, stale soda crackers. You know, it just nothing feels like it's... But that doesn't that change anything. Because it's not based on my feelings. It's based on the Word. Amen. Amen. Okay, so our part is to believe. The second thing that is our part that he cannot do for us is obey. And we're to obey the written word. James chapter 1. Turn over to James. It's the next chapter after Hebrews, next book after Hebrews. James 1, verse 22. So we're to obey. God can't, God's not going to be able to do his part if we don't do our part. Amen. We got to do our part. We got to obey him, just like the man in the story. What did he have to do? Push on the rock. And you know, uh, you, you know, we try to rationalize. Well, I don't know why you would want me to do that. That's not our part. That is none of our business. I don't know why you would want me to do that. That just doesn't seem logical. How many things do we talk ourselves out of that he has told us to do? Or, you know, he says, now I want you to give so-and-so $10. And we say, well, you, God, you know, I can't do that. They're going to think I'm crazy. You know, you know, man, that's so embarrassing. If I had a 1000 to give them, that is, you know, and we talk ourselves out of it. And we miss the blessing of God. See, it's not our part to figure out if they need it. It's not even our part to figure out what they're going to do with it. It's none of our business if they go buy marijuana with it. It's not our business. That's not our part. Amen? If they tear it up in little bitty pieces, that's not our part, is it? It's getting lower. Sinking. Okay, so um, our part is to obey. And James 1 verse 22 says, uh, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. We're to be doer of the word, of the written word of God. We're to do what we see in here, aren't we? 
We're to do it. But then there's more to it than that. We're to obey the specific instructions that the Holy Spirit speaks just to us. Amen? And we do that. We have to do that. That's like the, the you know, push on the rock thing. Those thing, kind of things are not written in the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us all the time. In Acts verse 11, verse 12, Acts 11, 12, remember Peter said, the Spirit bade me go. Remember, uh, he was up on the rooftop, you know, and he had the vision of the, uh, the, the sheet coming down with the uh, unclean animals on it. And the Holy Spirit said, Peter, kill and eat. Remember that? And, you know, so he, when he finally goes to the Gentiles, he goes to Cornelius' house, he tells them, he said, the Spirit bade me go. Well, the Spirit bids all of us to do things. The Holy Spirit bids all of us to do things. Amen? Amen? Different for every one of us. And we have to do them. You know, Acts 16, 6 says, uh, we were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to come into Macedonia. You know, they wanted to go, but it says we were forbidden to go by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will forbid us to do things. Amen. We have to follow Him. We have to obey. That's our part. And we have to do it sometimes with no understanding. And we have to do it in faith without questioning. And we need to do it quickly. We need to obey quickly. Amen. Hallelujah. See, we're spirit. We're not, and we can't use the mind to figure out things. You will never go very far if you try to use your mind. If you try to figure it out in your mind, you won't go very far. We're to be led of the Spirit. We're to look in our heart. Because your head can be saying yes and your heart saying no. Amen. And your heart can be saying yes and your head screaming no. Amen. So we, we have to do those things. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good old the land. And so our part is to obey him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, the third thing that is our part is to enter into his presence. Did you know he cannot do it for us? He cannot go do it for us. In Psalm 16 verse 11, if you want to turn over there real quickly. The presence of God is so important. It's so important to know how to get into His presence and to go there on a regular basis, even on a daily basis, to get before the Lord. You know, what we did here tonight is so good because uh, that's how you have to enter in at home. That's how you have to do it at home. You just have to lift your hands and you have to begin to praise the Lord. You have to, the Bible says, how do we get in the presence of the Lord? We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We enter his court with praise. You cannot go straight into worship. You go, there's a progression. There's a progression as you begin to thank him. And then you praise him. You begin to praise him. Praise him means uh, when we praise the Lord, we say, Father, we praise you. You're, you are good. You are great. Thank you. And, you know, we begin to praise him and thank him. But worship is when we begin to just uh, uh, tell him who he is. Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you are the king of kings. That's worship. Praise is when we, uh, God, you, you, you have done great things. You have done mighty things. You, uh, you, uh, you're the rock of my salvation. Uh, you have blessed me. You know, you have, you have delivered me. 
you know those things those are praise but we begin we just keep going and we learn to we learn to be in his presence and the presence is where we get our needs met and so many of us we're trying to get our we're trying to get our needs met without ever going into his presence and you won't ever get that manifestation. And you won't ever get the revelation that you need. You won't ever get that, 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 that thing that you need. Not on a, you, oh, I mean, God will give you a, he'll, he'll give you a little bit. You know, the Bible says he blesses us to, to help us. And he'll bless you to help you get started, to help you get going. But you're not going to have a consistent flow of, of, of the blessings of God in your life without revelation. And you're not going to have revelation without getting into his presence. And you're not going to get, the, the, most people are not going to get the manifestation of their healing, especially us that know how to believe God with our faith. It's the presence of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. So we need to get in the anointing. Yes, amen. amen. And so we have to get into the presence of God. And in Psalm 16, are you there? Psalm 16 verse 11 says, uh, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You know, if you, if that's where you get that, the fullness of joy is because that's where you get your needs met. In, my, in thy presence is where you get what you're looking for. So, we, so we, need to, we need to practice getting into his presence. And when we come to church, it's so important that we let the musicians lead us into his presence. That we're not thumping the kids and, and you know, and, and thinking about other things. And although we need to, we need to get into his presence, you got to kind of turn everything off. Amen. And it's easier to get there corporately sometimes, but, um, but we need to get there at home too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, and you know, um, Matthew 11 verse 28. Talking about his presence. This is our part. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me. This is so simple. Come unto me. He told us to do it. When you have a problem, get in my presence. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Come unto me. If you have any sort of problem, come unto me. Get in my presence. Why? The solution's there. That's where, that's where revelation is, is in His presence. Revelation flows in His presence. Revelation is just there. When you get in the presence of God, you, you know, a lot of times we say, God showed me. And, you know, sometimes He does show us things. But a lot of times it really has nothing to do with God showing you. If you get in the presence of God, you'll just automatically see things because they're out there. They're there. They're in the spirit realm. And so you'll see things. You'll see things. You'll see things. The vision. We're to be seeing visions. Everybody in here, you're supposed to be seeing visions. Now, I'm not talking about something. I'm not talking about some. oh, I was caught up and I was in a trance and I was like Maria Woodworth at her and I couldn't move for five hours. My feet were stuck to the floor. And, and you know, that's one kind of vision. You know, that's fine. But no, I'm talking about just, well, you know, just seeing things. Just, oh, you know... <laughs> I, you know, just seeing little things. Amen. And you won't even have to hear a voice. You'll see things. You'll see how to do things. Things you've been asking the Lord. You'll all of a sudden, oh, okay, I know what to do now. I saw it. Amen. Praise God. Getting in His presence. Getting in His presence. That's where revelation's at. 
Amen? That's where, that's where business revelation's at. That's where, where, where healing revelation's at. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. So these are the things that are our part. But, you know, his part, like we said before, it's his part to move the mountain. It's his part. And, you know, it just relieved me so. That day, it's like, that's right. He never said I had to move the mountain. He never said for us to move the mountain. He said just speak to it. He never said move it. Did he? And, you know, sometimes we get, well, you know, when we get weary and well-doing, we get weary because, we, we, you know, what we've done, we've started trying to do his part. Instead of just doing our part. Amen. Praise God. So that's his part is to move the mountain. It's his part to heal our bodies. It's his part to bring the finances. It's just our part to believe. Only thing that's our part is to believe. Do what he says. Believe and do what he says. Believe and do what he says. Will you say, well, I believed, but he's not saying anything. I like what Brother Hagin says. Brother Hagin says I go by as much by what God isn't saying as by what he is. I like that. If God's not saying anything and you're doing your part, getting in his presence, and he's not saying anything, then you just keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Isn't that right? Because he's not saying anything. If he's not saying anything, he doesn't need you to know anything. Is that right? Y'all are looking at me like I'm not sure about that. Well, it's just, you know, if my relationship's right with him, and I'm doing my part. If I'm ready to obey, I'm listening. I'm getting in his presence. I know I'm in faith. And he's not saying anything. Then he doesn't need me to know anything. Now, if I'm off backslid and I'm not doing my part, he's not going to be saying anything either. Glory to God. And you know, pastor's been talking on Sunday morning. I think he's mentioned this several times about suffering in faith. How we suffer in our faith. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Because you're going to have to suffer in faith. You don't have to suffer in body, but you're going to have to suffer in faith. You're going to get anywhere, get anything done. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him, talking about Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That's the suffering of faith. It's the contradiction. When you're in faith and all your circumstances are contrary to that, you're suffering in your faith. It's the suffering of faith, the contradiction. But you've got to endure the contradiction just like Jesus did. We're to consider Him. That means do it like He did. Get your eyes on Him. And don't, cons don't look at the, con the circumstances. Don't look at the contrary. Get your eyes on Him. Consider Him. Because He endured the contradiction. And if you don't endure the contradiction, you're going to get weary and you're going to faint in your mind. Amen? That's the suffering of faith. Look at he Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 35. Hebrews 10, 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. 
Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, family. It has great recompense of reward. Endure the contradiction. Don't cast away your confidence just because there's a contradiction. Every person, every person that lives by faith has to endure the contradiction. I can guarantee you right now, if you're believing God financially, I guarantee you there's a contradiction. You're believing God that you've sown seed and you've got a harvest and, you're, and God is making you rich. You, you're rich. That He's already done it. That He became poor that you might be rich. But we could look at our checkbooks tonight and go, there is a lie here. This is a contradiction. But I'm not going to stumble over the contradiction, are you? And if you're believing for healing, family, there is always a contradiction. Amen? We're not to cast away our confidence. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Listen, He promised. If I don't cast away my confidence... If I hold fast, if I endure the contradiction, He promised. And He is faithful. And He promised. He promised. Amen? Praise God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 15. He promised. And He's faithful that promised. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6.15 And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Talking about Jesus. No, this is talking about Abraham. I'm sorry. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Oh, we want to believe today and we want it tomorrow. Abraham said, it says he had to patiently endure. What? The contradiction. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. There was a contradiction here. He couldn't even he could have children. He didn't even have a relationship with his wife anymore. Remember, Sarah said, you mean I'm going to have pleasure with my husband again? Wow. That's what she said. There was a big contradiction here. The Bible says his body was dead. That just means things weren't working like they used to be. Her body was dead. Things weren't working like they used to. Well, we know one thing. He believed for quicker than Sarah did. And his got to working because he got Ishmael. Things started working for him before they started working for Sarah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Amen. He patiently endured. Are you patiently enduring? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. I'm talking to myself tonight, too. Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That's our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. Listen, you're not even in faith if you can't hold your confession fast. You've got to hold that confession fast. I mean, if you're saying one thing one day and the next, you're not holding confession fast. You're not in faith yet. You may be, you may be, uh, you know, fighting the good fight to get in faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've all been there. A lot of us, you know, the devil hits us with something, and we we got okay. We got to start something here. Amen. If you're already in there, if you're already in there in the Word, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. 
But we, got, we have to get in faith sometimes. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. See, that's talking about starting out in faith, but you've got to end in faith. See, you got a, the confidence you had when you, you started this faith venture, the confidence you have in church when pastor prays for you, you've got to hold it steadfast until the end. It's not who starts in faith that wins. It's the ones that finish in faith. Amen. A lot of people start a lot of faith things, but a fewer number finish the faith project. Amen. And a lot of times it goes back to that, that time thing that we, that self-imposed time thing we put on it. Well, it should have happened by now. How many of us do that in healing? We, we believe we receive and we think, God, it should have happened by now. Right? Isn't that what we do? And then we begin to question our faith, begin to question ourselves, begin to doubt our faith, begin to doubt ourselves. And then we start questioning the, the doctrine. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, listen, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Oh, we can get real excited in faith, but are we going to hold it firm unto the end? That's the ones we're going to, you're going to get it if you hold it firm unto the end against the contradiction. You're going to win if you hold it firm unto the end against the contradiction. There's always a contradiction. Amen. What I want just as I'm ending up tonight, I want to talk to you now. I want to relate this. Now you can apply this in any area, but I want to relate this to healing, okay? Because we've been kind of talking about this. Uh, See, we get a concept. Uh, turn over to Mark chapter 16. And I want to talk to you just for a second. Now, this all ties together about um, recovery versus sudden breakover. In Mark chapter 16, uh, a really famous healing scripture that we use a lot. In verse, verse 17, it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they... Well, let's start up. Let's go verse 15. I'm sorry. I want to start up there. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So the condition for getting saved is what? Believing. Do y'all... Did everybody agree with that? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out uh, devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But see, we, we got to look at this in context here. In context, we just read it, there, that, that this has something to do with us preaching the gospel and the people we preach to believing. This is not just a license to go out and lay hands on everything you see and, 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 and say, well, I'm a believer, so therefore everything I lay hands on is going to recover. No, within context there, it's talking about that they've done some believing too. That you've gone out into the world and you've preached the gospel to them. In other words, you've taught them, you've shown them in the Word of God, However simplistic that might be, you, you may not be a preacher, but you can show them in the Word of God. You can say, look here at this scripture. That's preaching. Amen? Not all preaching is done behind a pulpit. 
And so we, you, you preach when you just show somebody a scripture and they hadn't seen before. And so you go therefore into all the world and you preach the gospel and those that believe are saved. Those that believe are healed. Those that don't believe are damned. Are, and, and those that don't believe are not healed. The ones that believe, the ones that believe, you can lay hands on them and they'll be healed or they shall recover. Well, one thing that we run into as believers is our concept of the word recovery. And I wanted to give this to you to help you because if you're standing for healing, this will help you. See, we have a concept of recovery of kind of like when you get a cold and uh, you, let's just say you get a bad cold. Well, then all, you will begin to recover, won't you? And every day, usually this is how it works when you are recovering from a cold, every day you get better, don't you? Every day you snort and sniff and sneeze and hack and all that stuff a little bit less. Isn't that how, and cough, isn't that how it is? I mean, short of an instantaneous miracle, that's how recovery goes usually with a cold, right? It goes that way whether you believe or not, usually. Unless somebody's, you know, got chronic bronchitis or something. or and they, You know what I'm talking about. Usually, believers and non-believers, recovery works that way for them. Now, as believers, usually what happens is we believe, and I believe our recovery speeded up. Amen? And I've seen that proven out. Where in one or two days, I'll be back up. I'll be back going. And I've seen the world, you know, they can drag it out for two or three weeks sometimes. Amen? So believing makes a difference. But I, I want to tell you that not all healing is that kind of recovery. And this is where we tend to stumble, or we're tempted to stumble. That when you read there where it says, um, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you look that word recover up in a Greek, um, in the Strong's Concordance, it means uh, uh, begin to amend. That's one meaning. And that would be kind of like the recovery we just talked about. Beginning to amend and amend through a process of time. And you can actually see that you're getting better. Unless you relapse, you're, you can see you're getting better every day, right? Feeling better every day. Okay, so we tend to, see, we tend to look at recovery just like that. And we tend to, Pastor lays hands on us for something. We tend to look for healing to come like that. And we can stumble if that's really how we're always looking at it. And sometimes it does happen like that. But the word amend also means have, and they shall have. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall have. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall hold. The word means hold also. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall hold. Lay hands on the sick, and the word also means enjoy. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall enjoy. So it doesn't always mean to begin to amend. Okay? Now here's my point. Recovery is often after you've been prayed for or you've believed you received even at home by yourself often goes something like this. You believe and you aren't getting better. Nothing's changing. You're the very same. And if you don't understand this, you can stumble in your faith right there. You can cast away your confidence. You can faint in your mind because nothing's changing. I don't understand this, God. I'm not getting any better. Two weeks have passed. Two months have passed. Two years have passed. I'm not, nothing's changing. And this can happen financially, too. Nothing's changing. I believed. Pastor had an anointing service. Why, he had us get our wallets out. We brought our wallets to the front of the church. And nothing's changing. And if anything, I, I think it might even got a little worse. See, if we don't understand about sudden breakouts, 
healing oftentimes, family. You're just walking along. You're believing. Nothing's changing. And one day, it's not always recovery like I'm getting better and better and better and better and better and better and I'm getting better and better and better. No, it's not like that. Many times it's not like that. Many times, stay in faith. Don't cast away your confidence because one day. And that's the way finances are too. I know Mark Barkley said, and, and you know, it helped me when he said this many years ago because many years ago it's like, God, we have sown and sown and sown and sown and believed and believed and believed and believed and confessed and confessed and confessed and I really am in faith. And, and Mark Barkley said one time, he said, and just keep on keeping on. And one day, you step over the golden threshold. One day. And we find that throughout the Word. I was asking the Lord today because I knew this to be true. And I was like, God, where's some examples of this in the Word? And He said, well, think about Jericho. They marched around that thing seven days and nothing changed. Seven is God's perfect number. They marched around it till it was perfect. And nothing changed. They, if you, if you think about it, you know the our part and his part, the three things that I gave you? Our part was to believe. You've got to believe to march around something seven times, seven days. It, 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 believe and obey. They had to obey what he told them to do. And then enter in his presence on the, the last time. That's what they did was get in his presence. The first times they just were silent, Right? But then they, and you know, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a gradually getting better thing. It wasn't gradual at all. It was just like that, sudden. I, I mean, I want to encourage you tonight, if you've been believing for finances or healing, and it's like, what? Nothing's changing. These symptoms are not budging. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't faint in your mind. God's faithful. God's faithful. God's faithful. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's faithful. Now we've got to make sure we're doing our part. Amen? But when we've done our part, we just keep, keep on keeping on. And one day, one day, one day. And then, you know, sometimes it is gradual. Sometimes there is the begins to amend. Sometimes it is like that. So if it's working that way for you, where your finances are gradually getting better, or maybe your body's gradually getting better, that's not to discourage you, because God does work that way. But I'm here talking to the people tonight where it hadn't budged. Amen? Or maybe God's promised you something about your ministry. Or maybe God's promised you something about somewhere you'd go, or something you'd do someday. Don't, don't flinch. Amen? Remember the little story that we just read. Remember that? I just love that part. He said, uh, where he said here, uh, where it says, uh, when I asked you to serve me, my friend, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all of your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move the rock. Never once did I tell you you were supposed to move the rock. Never once did he tell us we were supposed to move the mountain. Amen. Our task is to obey Him. Yes. Amen. Let's stand up together tonight. Thank you, Jesus.